Hey everybody, my name is Dave Jackson and this is Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where I bring in guests to talk about the games that I've played recently. My guest today is a friend of the show and structure gel building enthusiast, Ryan Delaney. Hey Ryan. Hey, how's it going? Good to have you back, man. Yeah, it's good to be back. I love talking about video games and I don't get enough chances to do it these days, so this is the only chance I get really. Yeah, for uh, for people who are just tuning into this episode, Ryan was on the Ghosts of Tsushima podcast, which came out before this one. So go and check that one out if you haven't already. But today we're going to be talking about Soma, which is a horror walking sim type game developed and published by Frictional Games in 2015. But before we get into Soma, let's talk about what other stuff we've been playing recently. So Ryan, what you been on lately other than Soma? Uh, I got into Metroid Dread last night. I played about two hours of that or so. I got through the first boss. I've been playing Disco Elysium a bit. I finished the first day of that. Uh, still playing RimWorld as always. It's kind of always sucks me back <laughs> in. I can't get away from it. It's like that, just that constant game that you've got going on in the background at all times. Right. It's just such a unique experience and such a weird game. Um, one of my favorite subreddits these days is uh, shit that RimWorld says, and it's just the weirdest stuff ever, you know. Uh, some of the examples would be like, um, I I had to cannibalize my friend because we ran out of food and stuff like that, you know. Um, just shit that, like, is procedurally come up in the game? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's completely random. It's so much weird stuff that can happen to you. You can uh, kind of craft your own experience. You can be a cannibal horde that goes around and terrorizes people's villages and eats them uh or you can just kind of sit back and have a little chill farm or ranch and raise some animals and get attacked here and there and defend yourself there's a lot going on with that game and it's just it's got such a great modding community so you can just add so much more stuff to it uh you can do a lot of good quality of life changes to it so it just keeps people just keep releasing cool mods and i just keep getting into it uh, it, it brings Sweet. me back. It, it always brings me back. Yeah, I mean, I feel like every time I I talk to you about what games we're playing, you're you always throw in, oh yeah, and RimWorld, of course. Yeah, it's it's something like you get a colony going, and then I'll spend four days on it, and then it'll, or maybe three, or maybe a day, and it'll die, or it'll do well, and I'll finish the game, and then I'll just drop it for, you know, sometimes four or five months, or sometimes four or five weeks, sometimes four or five more days. You know, I just keep coming back to it. Something, something that draws me back to that game. Just the, I guess the unique experience of it all just sucks me back in. Well, yeah, and they just keep releasing new content packs for it too. So every time you think you're done with it, they they reel you back in. Right, and yeah, like I said, just the modding community is crazy. They just uh, they just add more and more stuff to it. There's so much you can do just on a week by week basis. You know, they have their DLC that comes out maybe about once a year, but the modding community they uh, they really keep keep that game on its toes for sure. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, the the top uh, thing on shit RimWorld says the top post is the child was born immediately went to equip marine armor and then smoke a joint. I guess being a fetus didn't provide much recreation. <laughs> the game's wild. It's wild. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty crazy. So. You you also said you're working on Metroid Dread, so you've only in the first few hours. How do you feel about that? 
It's good. Um, I know there's a lot of complaints about Emmy chasing you around, but I think that's one of the more stronger points of the game, really. I just finished the first boss. I think kind of the first boss is the scorpion kind of deal. And it was a pretty unique, it was a, it was a fun little fight. Um, the controls are pretty smooth. It runs, it runs pretty smoothly. Um, yeah, I think it's an all-around cool game. I like there's a point where you need to, you can shift the perspective. So it's, uh, you know, obviously the side-scroller just like the old school ones but uh sometimes you need to aim at something and it'll shift the the uh the perspective behind samus and you can kind of aim your gun um yeah enjoying it so far i'm looking forward to playing more of it um how are you you're doing it as well right how are you how are you feeling yeah about actually it so far? i actually just finished it this afternoon and um i i'm pretty i like it overall uh i i'm gonna do an episode of this show about this later um, but just like briefly, um, I love the exploration and I love like the, the moment to moment gameplay. And I really, really hate the Emmy sections. I, I can't stand them. Um, but luckily in the grand scheme of things, they're not a huge part of the game. You know, it, it's not like the entire map is Emmy town. It's there's little sections that are just for them. So when you're not in there, you don't have to worry about it. Uh, but sure. I I hated it. It's super frustrating for me. Yeah, and the best thing apart about it is it is really forgiving. If you die, you just press the A button. You can continue in the same room. You can go back. It's not like you're going back to your last save point. And, yeah. And uh, you know, running back Dark Dark Souls style, uh, you can just start back in that room. So it is really forgiving. And if it weren't for that. I would be very, very annoyed by the Emmy sections, but I think some of it's kind of fun just running around, dodging, uh, you know, hiding, putting the uh, little cloaking device on. It's it's not the best gameplay in the world, but it's uh, it's something different for Metroidvania, and I'm a sucker for Metroidvanias. I love them. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. And this is it's a worthy it's a worthy Metroidvania up there with you know <laughs> uh, some of the more fun ones I've played recently. Um, I, yeah, and like. I'll talk about this when I do like the whole episode about Dread, but I think it's in my top three favorite Metroids that I've played. So it's good. You what, just 2D Metroids or have you played any of the Primes? Yeah, I played a couple of the Primes on GameCube and I, I don't remember liking them much. Like I never beat any of them. Mm. Yeah, I like those games a lot. Um... Yeah, I know a lot of people liked them. But yeah, so far it's good. Um, I mean, compared to the old Game Boy Advance ones, it's um, it's up there with them. Uh, like I mentioned on the last podcast that I did the another Metroid 2 remake, and that's probably right. my favorite Metroid game, really. I mean, it's it's they just did such a great job on it. Even though it's not an official release, um, I was just really, really impressed. And I think that the people that made it, obviously they got a cease and desist from Nintendo. People that made it, they should yeah, just they reskin did, it. for sure. They, just, they should just reskin it or... Nintendo should buy it from them. It's such. It's just such a well done game. Uh, yeah, it's probably my. Favorite I have that one waiting for me. Game. Yeah. So it's free online. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I did download that. I have it. I'll play it sometime. And if it's as good as everyone says it is, it'll probably kick out like Metroid Fusion from the top three. So the only disappointing part about it is it, it is pretty short. It's like three and a half, four hours. Yeah, that's fine with me. I, Dread took me 10 hours, and that's plenty, I think, for this kind of game. Mm. 
yeah, I think uh, Metro our Metrovanias can overstay their welcome. Uh, uh, Hollow Knight, for example, that game's twenty five hours, and it start after a little while playing a Metroidvania for twenty five hours or so, it starts getting a little stale. Yeah, I think it. I would generally mm-hmm. agree, but I didn't feel that way in Hollow Knight, which I think like speaks to its quality. But um, let's move on and get into Soma. Sure. So, getting into Soma now, this game leans really heavily on its story, so if you're listening and you haven't played Soma, um, we're going to talk about it without spoilers, and we're going to talk about the gameplay and stuff like that, and like an introduction to the story, but this is basically a walking sim, or like a walk and hide sim. There's not a whole lot of gameplay to talk about, so we're going to have a pretty lengthy spoiler section at the end. So hold on until then, uh, if you haven't played, but up front, I'll just say I do think this is a great story that's worth experiencing. So you can go ahead and listen to it if you feel like you're never going to play the game. But uh, if you haven't and you have plans to play it, please stop at that spoiler section. So we're going to go ahead and get started with our histories with Soma. How did we hear about it? Why were we interested in it? So I'll kick to you first, Ryan. Well, um, I got it. I think I got it. It was on my my PlayStation. Uh, I don't know how it got there. It might have been a PS Plus. I might have picked it up on sale. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, I heard of that game. It's five bucks. I'm going to pick it up. Uh, and this, I do the same thing with Steam. I got, you know, most of my backlog is games that I haven't played at all. I haven't even installed them. They're just kind of sitting there. So it ended up on my PlayStation somehow. And uh, I believe you <laughs> recommended it. You, I knew it was a good game. I've heard good things about it. And I believe you recommended it to me. And I probably spent about eight or nine hours on it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, So for me, I had never heard of this game uh, because I don't follow what's going on with horror games. And this game out, this came out in 2015 and I didn't have a, like a system that could play it at the time. So I just never heard of this until a podcast that I really like, which is Watch Out for Fireballs, uh, did their episode about this. And I listened to it, and they gave that spoiler warning that I just gave. And I thought, okay, well, this is a horror game. I'm never going to play this. So I listened to the whole thing, and the story was so, like, interesting that it, like, stuck with me. And then I played some other game. Like, I played the Bioshock collection, which is kind of scary sometimes. And I played Prey, which is scary, like, especially at the beginning. It's a pretty scary game, I think. Absolutely, I, I agree. So that kind of gave me the confidence to go like, hey, I remember that game Soma, I should go play that. And it was on, um, it's on PS Now, which is how I got it. So I'm put, getting my money's worth from PS Now sometimes. So yeah, I played that. Uh, it took me about nine hours too. I was still pretty scared when I was playing this. I'll talk about that later. So I only played in like, you know, like one hour 
like play sessions or even less. So it took me a couple weeks to get through it, but yeah, uh, pretty good and not, not super long. So let's get into uh, what playing Soma is all about. We're going to start with the gameplay of Soma, which I think would be best described as a walking sim, or I guess if you've played Frictional's other games, like the Amnesia games, I think it's similar. I haven't played them, obviously. But you're basically, you can walk, you can run, you can pick stuff up, and you can throw it, and that's about it. I don't think you can even jump or anything like that. Um, there's no combat. There's no you know, shooting guns or anything like that. Uh, so you're walking, you're finding stuff, you're doing some pretty brief puzzles. Um, kind of like those tasks that like every game that's set in an underwater or outer space station is telling you to do like, oh, go turn on the generator or like, hey, go flush the coolant or something like that. So that's what you're doing. Right, and the gameplay itself, uh, it does allow you to pick up items like, you know, Skyrim or Fallout. You can just, like, carry any item. It just hovers in front of your face. and yeah. uh, it But it really doesn't do anything. It, it's just kind of, except for distracting the monsters, uh, there's no really reason you can pick up anything. But you can pick up almost everything, anything that could fit in your hands normally. Yeah, there's a ton of objects out there. And you do have you don't have an inventory, which I really like. You don't have to manage your inventory. Uh, you just kind of pick up an item that you need, and then it just kind of sticks with you in an invisible inventory. And then you go to where you, you bring it to where you need to. Uh, most notably, the um, hand scanner thing, and uh, you just pop the, it in uh, the Omni you tool. To. The Omni tool. Yeah. That's what it's called. Yeah, the Omni tool. Yep. And you just pop it in wherever it prompts you to pop it in. Right. Yeah, and as you said, there's not really many puzzles. There are puzzles, but they're really simple. They're just uh, reroute a power through a switchboard or, you know, press some buttons in order sort of puzzles. It's not really focused on puzzles at all. Right. It's mostly focused on going through the environment and, like, um, reading computer logs and listening to audio logs and reading notes from people, kind of like... You know, if you're playing Prey or Bioshock or something like that, there's a lot of that going on. Sure. And so you're mostly just walking through and, and learning about what's going on. There's one big puzzle, but I'm sure you're going to get into that later. The, uh... Yeah, we definitely will in the spoiler section because that's <laughs> a major spoiler. So Yeah, you probably wait on that one. It, it's basically a walking sim. Uh, you're walking, listening, reading. That's most of what you're doing. Um, but you did mention the monsters, so let's talk yeah. about them. In the game, I I don't know I don't know exactly how many. I want to say there's maybe six to ten monsters uh, throughout the game. Maybe a little bit more. There's maybe six to ten like real big ones, and I think there's one level where there's like uh, lesser monsters around. But um, the monsters are basically stealth puzzles Um, because you can't fight back. So all you can do is hide. Uh, I think you can probably throw stuff to distract them, or you can run. And uh, it's helpful to remember that a lot of the times you're faster than these monsters, so if you need to, you can just run past them. Uh, But Simon is very fragile, so these Mm -hmm. monster encounters are pretty tense. Uh, Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I really enjoyed the enemy design. It was very unique. Uh, 
it's you know half machine half person sort of stuff it's obviously draws yeah. some inspiration from lovecraft uh there's uh different fish monsters as well and it's really it's really cool i really enjoyed the design of the monsters um the mechanics of the monsters chasing you they're just chasing you uh there's nothing special about them they don't have any special you know blowing fireballs or throwing stuff at you they're just chasing mm-hmm. you to tackle you to the ground and i don't know take you somewhere uh they there's also some friendly robots as well right weren't there yeah there's some cute little friendly oh, yeah. npcs as well that can help you oh yeah there's, thought, there's friendly npcs but yeah i'm not i'm usually not crazy about stealth stuff uh but this game i gave you a lot of wiggle room to deal with the encounters with the uh with the monsters there's a lot of wiggle room there's a lot of uh you know going hitting beelines and uh you know going to this place to dodge it wasn't too brutal. It wasn't as brutal as uh, a lot of stealth missions I've played in games. You know, I, I one of like some of the most hated moments in gaming are Zelda stealth missions. I hate 3D Zelda <laughs> stealth missions. Yeah. Uh, Ocarina of Time in the garden uh, before you meet uh, Zelda. Before you meet the princess. Oh, yeah. Before you meet the princess. It's the worst. One of, yeah, it is. It's awful. And uh, Breath of the Wild, you're uh, underground with the. Uh, the pirates. Oh, oh yeah, so the bad. pirates. Yeah, right. Yeah, any most of the time games like it's really when games are not stealth based, and then they're like, "Hey, here's a stealth section because we need to do a stealth section." Um, that's when it goes wrong. But Soma is these encounters are kind of built around it. The arenas you're in are built around evading these monsters. So I I think it works with a caveat uh, that. Part of the reason I was able to play this game is that there is a safe mode which turns off the monsters uh, like aggro, basically. And they'll kind of just wander around. If you like run up to them and like bump into them, then they'll hit you, but they won't chase you. And so it really cuts down on the fear factor, which I think was basically vital for me being able to play this game. So did you play on safe mode or did you play on the normal one? No, I played on the normal one. Um, I'd be interested to see how it was different. Did the monsters, they just kind of just chill? they just staring at the walls? Yeah, that they just kind of amble around and um, like make their creepy sounds and stuff. So it was cool. Like I've heard people say like it would be cool if the monsters were just taken out of the game entirely. But e- I think the designs are really cool and it was cool to walk right. up and look at them. Um and like they have, they have really crazy audio design on them, and it would be a shame yeah, to miss absolutely. that because even if they can't hurt you, it still adds to the tension. Right, and a lot of visual cues that tell you that they're there. Uh, your your vision starts getting all blotchy and uh, like digitized mm-hmm. yeah. uh, whenever they're around. Uh, yeah, it was really cool, and it being a stealth game and all, it really seemed very forgiving, just like Metroid Dread. If you die, you just go back, and then you just try a new route. So a lot of it was trial and error for me, uh, just getting past the monsters was just trial and error. Oh, this route doesn't work. Let me try this other route. There's a a part in Submarine, I believe, where it was basically a scripted scene where you just got a beeline for the exit. But uh, figuring out which path to take was kind of a puzzle sort of deal. Yeah, it was a good. It was just trial and error. I tried it five or six times before I got it right. It. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's no uh, clues as to which way you should go. They're just like, go to the exit. This guy's chasing you. Um, right. Yeah. I I remember that sequence. Um. I think it's it's pretty scripted, uh, at that particular part. 
Um, back to the monsters, the so the thing about playing on safe mode is that I never really got hit, but uh, if you're not playing on safe mode, I believe you can take a few hits from the monsters before you die. Is that right? Right, yeah, you get hit, and then your vision gets blurred a bit, and then you have to right. go... You have to walk around with <laughs> this annoying blurred vision yeah. uh, for a while. And it's uh, it's kind of forgiving, though. It's um, And, yeah, you, I know what you're going to tell them next. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, do you want to tell them about how you regenerate your health, or uh, you want you want me to? Because it's, uh, it's pretty special. Yeah, it is very special. So uh, you're wandering around in this alien environment, right? And then there's these um, these assholes, these alien assholes, anuses, uh, that you have to put your fist into and it heals you. I don't remember if the game explains what they are or what they're doing. They're just these, they look like puckered buttholes. Yeah. I mean, there's there's really no other way to describe it. We're not being juvenile here <laughs> by describing it this way. If you haven't played the game, just look up a picture of it. You'll, I mean, there is no other way to describe it. Um, yeah, Soma alien assholes are probably all over yeah. Google images. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 10 million image results. Um, I do remember like the lore explanation for what they are, but it's kind of a spoiler, so we'll save it. Maybe we'll get to it after the... Uh, after the the spoiler wall but you just that's how you recover your health after these monster encounters you'll come across a uh, an anus stuck to the wall and you you get in there up to the elbow and that'll heal yep. you right up so no loop. that's how you heal just... yep <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that that's pretty much all as far as gameplay goes you you're going around you're reading stuff you're you're doing some light puzzling but mostly you're learning backstory about what happened uh you go up against these monsters you learn what their story is too and we're going to get into the brief synopsis of the story of soma um and how we feel about it but it will be brief because we get into spoiler territory at around like the 10 minute mark of the game or something like that. So briefly, uh, you play as Simon Jarrett, who is uh, a man who had a traumatic brain injury in a car accident. And so he is going in for treatment. Uh, he, I think his injury is terminal. So he's going in for a, an experimental brain scan. And he's hoping that using that scan will that let them develop a treatment for his injury um you go in and you talk to uh this guy named munchie uh there's a good line at the beginning simon says uh hello dr munchie and he says uh that's mr munchie for now so that should give you confidence how this is going to go um and then simon wakes up uh he closes his eyes for the brain scan and then he wakes up and he's in this underwater facility uh called pathos 2 which is a great name for your research station, um, Pathos. And uh, you learn the kind of purpose of Pathos 2 is to launch satellites uh, using an underwater like space gun. So the story is Simon's got to figure out why he's there, uh, what to do now. And you have uh, a helper, her name is Catherine, that you're talking to over a radio. So uh, the story deals with the themes of identity and consciousness and AI and what it means to be human. And I think it does a very, very good job. So that's as far as I'm going to go without spoilers. But Ryan, 
uh, walking sims have to have good stories because that's basically why you're there. Uh, the, I, I don't think anyone's going to come to Soma for the stealth sequences. So how do you feel about the story without spoilers? Well, the story is obviously the best part of the game. Uh, like you said, a walking simulator has to have a good story. Uh, I haven't really played too many walking simulators uh, other than Firewatch. And obviously, uh, that's just 100% story. Uh, you're walking around just finding things, picking them up. Uh, the setting was great. I love sci-fi dystopia shit. So it was right up my alley. Um, I like the idea of computers finding a way to merge with organics, which is a big part of the story. Probably just leave it there. Uh, the worst part of the story was probably Simon to me. Uh, he's just <laughs> Simon, <laughs> the main character, was just one of the stupidest protagonists I've ever in any game I've ever played, uh, any movie I've ever watched. He's just he's just kind of dumb and stubborn, and he just doesn't put any effort towards actually getting it. And the story is pretty much carried by Catherine, the uh, the helper. Uh, she's trying to you know edge him along to do this mission and trying to keep him in line and i don't know the character itself he was very he was aggressively canadian which is it came off very strange <laughs> he just yeah you know it, it's he just came off as i don't know just talking about toronto all the time and how he misses toronto and he's just a bit too canadian um some of his responses were really far off uh it was i don't know there's a one point in the game where there's a girl and she's um, she's barely breathing. Uh, so you, you come across this lady, she's barely breathing, and she's connected up to this computer. And uh, the first thing he asks her is, are you okay? And she's obviously <laughs> not okay. She's obviously not okay. And then he ends up, you end up disconnecting her from the machine, and his next response is, oh, fuck. And that's it. And I don't know. He, he, was, he was the... It's just kind of weird. Some of his responses and the ways he handled situations were just bizarre, bizarre to me. Uh, he's the weakest part of the story. But um, like we said before, it's a good story. So um, if you can have a like a shit protagonist and me still enjoy the story, they're doing something right for sure. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to get into this debate later. I think Simon is a reasonable protagonist. Uh, we'll talk about this after the spoiler wall. Um, but I think Simon is a good vehicle for uh, the player in this situation, but we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, story is good. Uh, glad both of us agree on that. Let's talk about this as a horror game um, before we get into the spoiler section. So first question, did you find this game to be scary? You said you played on normal mode. Yeah, it was actually pretty scary. It had some tense moments. It wasn't jump scary. I'm kind of a moderate fan of horror games and movies in general. I don't go out of my way to play every horror game out there, but I appreciate the good ones. You know, uh, on the last episode, we talked a bit about bio, our, um, Dead Space 2. Love the Dead Space games. Uh, the Resident Evil games are good. Um, I'm not crazy about horror games, but this one uh, would probably be about an average scariness horror game for me. Okay. Um, for me, um, I, I did the opening section, which takes place in the present, in the, uh, like the present day. Um, and then I got into the station. This is like 10 minutes into the game. You wake up in that, uh, in pathos too. And I knew I needed to go into, uh, a room 
and I heard some really scary sounds and the lights were flickering and it was dark and I got so scared I closed the game and uninstalled it, uh, which I did with Prey also. Um, but I went, I like kept thinking, I was like, shit, I, I want to play this. I know in my head, I knew, like I looked up, uh, Googled like Soma, are there jump scares? And people were like, no, there's no jump scares. And I was like, okay, I know that there's no jump scares, but still really freaked out. So I watched the first like three hours of the game on a let's play and realized like, okay, there are actually are no jump scares. This is okay. And I was pretty much fine after that. And like you said, there's some tense moments, but overall, uh, I made it through and I am like so averse to horror. Uh, and I was able to make it through. So anyone listening, if you, um, if you don't like horror games, I'm telling you, like, I hate feeling scared and I was able to make it through this game. So, um, take that. Hopefully that gives you some confidence. Yeah, it's it's more uh, the atmosphere itself. Uh, trying to just it's tense. Everything's tense, and everything's kind of claustrophobic, and the walls feel like they're you know moving in on you. Uh, it's not as you said. It's not jump scares. It's more of a atmospheric sort of anxiety uh, that the game gives you. And it's like you're underwater, so it's dark all the time. Of course, horror games have to be dark. Um, the station is kind of decrepit so like there's you know it's dripping water there's lights flickering um and the sound design we talked about the sound design earlier but the sounds are so so good the monster sounds and like the the creaking of the station it's all really really good yeah um yeah all the drips and the drops and the echoes uh there's so many different echoes all the reverb just on the the whole game's just reverb unless you're underwater which then it just gets very uh it's very uh muffled you know everything's muffled like you're underwater uh, if you have thalassophobia you know fear of being in deep water maybe it's not the game for you but um just the sound the sound design in general uh incredibly wild incredibly creepy uh, it just added so much to the atmosphere. And I, I like these underwater games. I love Subnautica. I know you're, you're not a fan of Subnautica. but uh, No, I didn't yeah. really like that game. But it was it was more for what you're doing in Subnautica versus, uh, you know, feeling scared of being underwater. Sure. So um, one of the other things that makes Soma scary uh, is, this is my theory about walking sims, which is that all walking sims are scary to me. Um, Firewatch was very scary. Gone Home was so scary I couldn't finish it. Um, it's, to me, the fact that you don't have any defense. Uh, you can't attack anything. Uh, all you can do is run away. And I, I think that, like, limited verb set gives some extra, like, um, dread at least to playing a walking sim and then you like put that in a horror setting and it becomes even scarier so i think that plays into it in this game too knowing that like if something jumps out at you you can't fight back you can't jump over it you just have to turn and run basically sure i can absolutely agree with that um that's probably what they're going for with uh you know how do you make a walking sim scary you put someone in a situation where it makes it difficult to escape from right and it's all about escaping from difficult situations and, you know, walking around trying to hide, put things together. 
Um, yeah, yeah, or that's... you put them in a situation where like you don't know what's going to happen next. That's part of what made Firewatch scary is you're in this like you're out in the wilderness and you don't know what's going to happen next. And like in Firewatch, there's not a bunch of jump scares, but I was really, really scared playing it. And so Soma kind of had me the same way, even though I knew it doesn't have things like jumping at the screen at you. I think there's only like two jump scares in the entire game and neither of them are that bad and again i am a jump scare baby so you can trust me neither of them are that bad but uh the just the fact that if something happened you can't really do anything that really plays up the horror right absolutely and i also think the lighting had a lot to do with what makes it so scary you know it's it's like most yeah. you're underwater in submarines it's dark obviously uh, but it wasn't like overly dark it wasn't excessively dark uh, in one area of the game, there's an underwater storm, and it's everything's very blurry. And usually, I'd kind of get annoyed at just you know the sound, the the blurriness of it, just not knowing where to go. And you have to follow these different lights, and you can barely see the lights; they barely come up. Um, usually, I'd probably get kind of annoyed at something like that, uh, but it was done in such a way that uh, it wasn't really annoying to me at all. It um kind of pushes you in the right direction but not really you're kind of uh in the middle of the open sea you know you're down on the ocean floor trying to figure out where to go and there's you know you could walk in any direction and uh you can't see your hand in front of your face uh i think that was part of the game that was probably the scariest to me really was uh just uh the lighting the lighting effects uh on the sea floor were really um impressive to me and terrifying yeah in their own way absolutely and we'll talk about that that sea walk in the spoiler section because there is something right. i want to talk about there i gotta be careful um, i gotta be I gotta be careful what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh one one final thing that kind of makes this scary is, and i think this is a good um you know the way that the story is set up is that often you're finding out like oh something bad happened at station alpha and then they're like okay next you need to go to station alpha and you know turn on the generators i don't that's not exactly what you're doing but you get a task that takes you to station alpha and you're like oh shit i just heard about this horrible thing that happened there i don't want to go there basically so that that kind of like story setup and the way the plot moves along and stuff like that works really well too yeah i can completely agree with you there um, and they do a great job of, uh, you know, the audio logs and whatnot and hearing about these places before you actually go to them and hearing about the awful things that happen there. And then they're just like, well, that's where you're going next. Um, it's kind of predictable, but um, like you said, it pushes the plot along really well. And the pacing of the game's done uh, very well. The, the pacing's great. Yeah. And, and like the game's only nine or 10 hours long, it's hard to have bad pacing. There's a lot that's happening, as we'll get into. So let's move into our kind of final thoughts about Soma, uh, unless there's something else that we missed. No, I think uh, I think we hit the basics before we get into all the spoilers. Right. Okay. So um, let's kind of get into summaries and like what we feel about the experience of playing Soma. Do we recommend it to other people? So, Ryan, I'll start with you. 
Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I really enjoyed the game for the most part. Uh, there was some nitpicking I could do with the protagonist, maybe. It had some cool stealth mechanics, and it did them right. And it's probably one of the better walking sims I've ever played. Granted, I haven't played too many walking sims. Um, like I said before, I played Firewatch, and that's pretty much the only one off the top of my head I can think of. Uh, but yeah, the puzzles were meh, but they weren't a big focus of the game. And the game gave off uh, a certain vibe to me, The some of my favorite games of the last 15 years. It's kind of like a mix between Dead Space, Bioshock, and Subnautica. And I love those three series uh, so much. So this was uh, gave me a good feeling to get into it and uh, kind of uh, you know see this, uh, this dev's uh, interpretation. Obviously, they took a lot from Bioshock. Um, and they took a lot from Dead Space. But um, yeah. It was um, it was good. It was a good experience. Um, it's short. It's several years old, so I wouldn't pay much for it these days. I'd probably wait for it to go on sale. I think fifteen bucks would be fair. Be the most I would pay for it for sure. Cool. Uh, for me, kind of like in summary, the way I feel about Soma, um, I like I've said several times, I hate feeling scared it's not a fun uh thing for me in games or movies so i i don't seek it out so if i'm seeking out horror games to play it's because they're offering something else that i'm not getting uh in other games and for me it was the story uh in soma that drew me into it and it was the story that kind of gave me the like yes this was really satisfying for me to play this and experience this story and it kind of gave me this like i should seek out other horror games that have really good stories. So I, I ended up playing Silent Hill 2 um, a couple weeks ago. And again, that's another game not really jump scary. It's more psychological horror with a fuck-me-up emotionally story, which is what Soma did too. So, like, when you're going through the game, it's not terrifying in your face. It's more like after you finish the game and you think about it a little bit, and let that marinate. I think it's a story that like will stick with you, uh, especially if you're like me who thinks that the protagonist is kind of like a a vessel for me uh, if I were in his shoes. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> so uh, I, I really appreciate this game for how it creates horror without having jump scares really, and how they put you in these situations where you're you're just like they're just really tugging at your emotions uh, in a way that games rarely get this deep uh, into emotions. And aside from that, there's enough atmosphere and environmental storytelling to really scare you as well. So this, I think this is the first game I played that like, well, not the first game, it's the first horror game that I've played that was like, you know, mess with my emotions, make me like question a lot of things that games don't really get into. Um, and I'm starting to seek out other games like that because of this. So I really do recommend this for people like me, basically. I mean, if you are a horror fanatic, I think that this game is good enough too. It's probably not going to be the scariest game you've ever played, but like I said, the story goes places that a Resident Evil story would, wouldn't go. I don't think that's what they're going for, but you know what I mean. So... We're going to do some housekeeping before we get into the spoiler wall. Uh, if you're tapping out now because you want to avoid spoilers, thank you for listening. Um, 
If you want to support this show, you can subscribe on your platform of choice. You can leave a rating and review if you can and spread the good word. I also do a podcast called A Top Three Podcast, where each week we pick a topic and pick our top threes and discuss. That podcast is a good time, so if you want to hear more of me, which I know you do, check that out wherever you get podcasts. We are going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with spoilers. Okay, we're back, and it is spoiler time for Soma. We are going to talk about um, the story in like a semi-chronological order. Uh, We're not going to go beat by beat, like level by level through the story. We're just kind of like pick up themes and plot lines and characters as they come. Um, And since I played the game on safe mode, I don't have anything to say about the actual enemy encounters. So Ryan, if you have anything about those, uh, feel free to let the listeners know. Um, from what I gather, you know, you're in different arenas and you basically have to evade. Sometimes you actually have something to do during those. Uh, so if you want to, if there's anything about that, uh, feel free to chime in with that. Okay. So as you're, you know, you wake up, you're in the station and your first big clue as to what's going on is you, you need to turn on the power, uh, to open a door basically. And you find this robot that thinks it's a human and it's talking like a human. And uh, basically your choices are there's a monster out in the other room. So you can flip this switch, which sends electricity through this robot and electrocutes it. And it screams in like a super brutal way. And your choice is you can go out and flip the switch where the monster is and put yourself in danger, or you can flip the switch and electrocute this robot to get through the door. So it's like the first choice in the game. So Ryan, do you remember which one you did? Uh, I believe I didn't kill him. I went around and found the other power source. I hunted around. Um, I I thought it would take something away from the game. You know, it kind of takes one of the mechanics out of the game if you're not putting yourself in danger, you know, taking the easy way out. I like to challenge myself a little bit. Uh, but I don't think I don't think I tortured the poor fella. Yeah. And uh, I was playing on safe mode, so I had no real danger from the monster. So I flipped the <laughs> switch in the other room. But the if you do flip the switch and like leave the power on, it's it's implied he's gonna electrocute. He's gonna be in you know torture basically until his circuits fry or something like that. And this thing like talks to you, and you you have a conversation. Um, there's a a nice moment where like. Simon says something like, hey, you know, like, it's just weird. I'm talking to a robot right now. And the robot says, like, hey, man, look who's talking. And that kind of, like, flies over your head right at the beginning. Mm. Flew over my head. 
Yeah, I don't think I picked up on that there either. Um, I came to the realization that Simon was actually a robot uh, much later. Not much later, but uh, maybe shortly after yeah. that. Um, shortly after but yeah that. yeah I, I didn't really notice i didn't really notice that conversation uh having any meaningful impact on the story so yeah, it'd be cool to go back through it and um, try to pick up on at least the beginning of the game and try to pick up on those little subtle details that are trying to push you into yeah um, figuring out the story there's definitely some foreshadowing there uh, early in the game that would fly over your head if you don't already know what's going on uh the other part of that is like after you are done talking to that robot, like he says his name to you, and then you find the dead body with the name tag uh, with the same name. And that's one of your first clues where you're like, oh shit, like something weird's happening here. Cause that's the first, I think it's the first living thing you come across after, you know, five or 10 minutes of nothing. Yeah. Um... I don't recall that part of the story too much. Um, I don't know. It all kinds of a lot of it kind of blends in together. They kind of all those little encounters at the beginning of the story, um, except for just a few key moments in the story. Um, most of that beginning stuff is kind of smushes together. Well, you start getting into much bigger things uh, later. So soon after that, you meet Catherine. Um, she is guiding you to come meet her in this other uh, station. So when you get there, uh, you kind of, uh, there's a part, as you're going, you hear over the radio, Catherine's kind of like being attacked by a monster. And then when you get there, you're like, oh shit, I have to go rescue Catherine. And when you get there, you find out she's not a human either. She's also a robot, uh, which is another kind of big reveal because this was like your lifeline up to that point. So you actually learn a lot during this conversation. She tells you, like you said, that Simon's a robot, uh, which there's a point early in the game where you walk by a mirror. And if you look in the mirror, you can see Simon has these like big glowing red eyes, which will give it away. I didn't see that. Um, I don't know if you did. I didn't either. I didn't even notice. But it is a cool detail. I mean, like I said, all those little small details that push you into an early reveal. Uh, Seems well done. It's well thought out for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think that like most people playing it wouldn't notice uh, your reflection in the mirror. So, so you find out that Simon is a robot and you also find out that like he did his brain scan in 2015 and it's the year 2104, which is uh, much, much later. So that's another, I think that comes before you actually find out that you're a robot. Um, so Simon is actually not a human. He is a, a cortex chip that's stuck into a corpse of one of the dead crew members. So uh, this is in the first couple hours of the game. You get this reveal that like your character, you thought you were a human because of course, why would you not? You're a, basically you're an animated corpse and that's a pretty cool reveal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was one of the more shocking points of the story uh, when they say, hey, uh, you're not Simon. You're somebody else uh, with Simon's brain, you know, surgically implanted in it to cause him to walk around with the, yeah. the wah. And yeah, that's one thing that I was trying to figure it out. Like the, the wah, obviously, it wanted Simon to exist. It brought Simon back. 
uh, and it seemed like the wa the the wa is the um, the robot uh, I don't know symbiotic the, the AI the AI yeah thing, right the this... wow they call it the wow right uh, some symbiotic relationship between all the machines and this weird structural gel that's melded into everybody and uh, you figure yeah. out that uh, this weird symbiotic uh machine brought him back for some reason or just brought him yeah. back and he wasn't like the other monsters yet um I, I don't know if he was going to change over time he was going to become one of the monsters but he wasn't you know he was a person he wasn't a you know a zombie basically right well he's like he's a, he's a he's a zombie basically so depending on whose perspective it is, you could see Simon as a monster. And that kind sure. of like reveal as to why is uh, given a little bit later. So we'll get to that in a bit. Um, for now, you're wondering why Catherine is a robot. And she explains that she had her consciousness transferred. Um, and she was working on this project called The Ark, which is uh, this kind of pet project they had where they were doing brain scans of people um, and putting them into like a simulation, basically like a, a simulation of paradise. And the arc becomes like one of the main points of the game is to find this because part of Catherine's story is that she doesn't know what happened to it. She doesn't know if it was finished because her, she was copied um, before it was finished. So she's not sure. So your goal becomes to go find it. So how do you feel about this kind of like quest to find the Ark? Well, I mean, it's the major plot of the game, right? You, uh, you're kind of put on a mission to save humanity. And uh, as dumb as Simon is, I mean, they have no other choice. Catherine has no other choice. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I mean, there's so many better qualities you would want in a protagonist to save the world. But uh, I don't know. He's kind of like the unlikely hero, in my opinion. I mean, I, you say that he has some redeeming qualities, but I couldn't see any redeeming qualities. Um, but yeah, the story goes, the um, surface of the earth, the only thing that was living before Simon arrived uh, were people living on the ocean floor because they weren't affected by um, Armageddon on the, the surface. Yeah. So you find out pretty soon after that, that a comet hit the surface of the earth and it basically, the surface is just on fire forever now. And it killed everybody except for the people living in Pathos 2 and the crew of one submarine. Um, and you go through that submarine as a level. I think it's a, and I think the choice of like a submarine crew is a really good like vessel to find out this like story of what happened on the surface because the submarine, it's not like Pathos 2 where they have resources and they're like, they're designed to live down there for a long time. The people on the submarine, they're going to run out of stuff eventually. And so they're in this like hopeless situation that really plays into uh, what's happening. And there's this great audio log where someone's, the captain is like giving a report of what happened on the surface. And one of the kind of like crew members is like, kind of like it asks a question expressing some hope like hey you know once once uh this kind of cools down we'll be able to go back up right and the captain's like no this is total devastation there's no hope and you're 
doing this as you're going through like the decrepit remains of this submarine. So um, that was the part earlier we talked about where you have to make a um, an escape from the monster that's on the submarine. Uh, that was a pretty cool level, even on safe mode. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. That was probably one of my favorite uh, spots in the game. The escape was kind of annoying, but just the big reveals from the story and listening to the different crew members. Uh, there's this function that you have where if uh, the per- you can touch the dead bodies and then get some information out of them, get kind of an audio log out of them, kind of their memories. Uh, it's kind of... If they have a head, if they don't have a head, then you can't do anything, which is kind of funny, right? Uh, but if they have a head, I guess their brain's still intact. If their head's, you know, on their body, or if you find a head, I guess you could probably touch that too. And you can reveal, it reveals some memories of the people uh, on this particular submarine, and it's uh, it's pretty dark. It gets pretty dark, and uh, yeah, it's one of the uh, parts of the story that really stuck out to me. Yeah, for sure, it, it's a somber and cool uh revealed there and like i said the choice of like a submarine crew to be the ones like processing this and delivering it to you i think was a really good um a really good like touch to see it from someone who's not uh in the um underwater station first but that's basically what's happening the rest of the game is you're like you're going through, you're listening to those audio logs, like people said, or like you said, um, the audio logs are capturing the last, you know, minute or 30 seconds before someone died. And I don't know if that's a way for the wow to like preserve it, but suddenly the people down at Pathos 2 are stuck. They are the last people alive on earth. They can't go back to the surface because the surface is destroyed. So, like, they're basically stuck down there until they die. And so the Ark, which was like a, you know, a passion project or something like that, is suddenly turned into this, like, last-ditch effort to preserve humanity. So let's talk about the Ark. Um, let's talk about this this concept, because this really, like, informs a lot of the rest of the game, um, the Ark. So they go through and they start scanning people's brains uh, to copy them into the arc and the plan is to shoot this out into space uh, eventually so humanity can survive in some form and i was kind of thinking about like whether i would do this if i was down there like would i want to be a part of the arc project and i feel like i probably would i mean there's really no downside to it It, you're gonna die anyway your consciousness might as well survive on past you unless you have some I don't know, some deep hidden secrets in your consciousness. You don't want uh, people rummaging <laughs> yeah. people rummaging through. I guess uh, if uh, your brain's going to get scanned, people can look at the data and uh, really dig deep into your subconscious and um, some of those darker memories or something, you know? So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm in the same boat. I would totally uh, upload my brain. Um, I don't think I have anything too embarrassing to reveal. Yeah, and it's... Well, you shouldn't be in a situation where people are rummaging through your consciousness. We'll get into when Simon goes rummaging through someone later. But um, this kind of brings up this concept of the coin flip, which is another thing that the game is built around. So the people who are doing the brain scans, some of them believe in this concept that like when your consciousness is copied, 
there's like a 50-50 chance that the real you will be in the old body or the real you will go to the new body. And this is a concept that Simon subscribes to. Catherine kind of like goads him into it too because Catherine wants Simon to like continue doing stuff and not spend too much time thinking. But this sets up a really cool uh, plot thing where a bunch of the crew members believe in this coin flip and they decide like, I want to make sure that like my consciousness goes into the ark and it's not stuck down here in hell world. Um, so they start killing themselves right after their brain scans. And they think that that's going to guarantee that like the real version of them goes into the ark. So uh, what did you think about this coin flip um, idea when it was brought up? It's, it's, it's a cool idea. And it's one of the better uh philosophical things in the story um is uh would you i don't know about the suicide cult so much uh i don't think i would be subscribed i don't think i'd be the uh cut paste kind of person i'd be more the copy paste um yeah i mean it's just a cool idea in general and um the idea that uh, you could be have your conscious could be uh surviving in two places at one time you know or a thousand places at one time you could just keep copying your consciousness uh, it was cool. Yeah. It was uh, it was cool to think about, and um, yeah, it's the kind of sci-fi that I really like reading when I'm reading books. This kind of sci-fi really gets me going. So, um, it was interesting for sure. It's definitely a really cool concept. Like the in that debate over whether it's copy paste versus cut and paste, um, which Simon thinks that it's cut and paste. Obviously, a lot of the people in the uh, station who are going into the arc think that it's think that it's cut and paste uh, when in reality it's copy paste and there are a couple situations later in the game where this is like really brought to Simon so uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say like if I was in the station and it was guaranteed that the arc works that it is like a paradise in there and that it's not broken or something like that I might join that suicide group because I mean, the state of Pathos 2 is, it, it's basically you're living in hell, just waiting yeah, for the sure. food to run out. So it's it's a really interesting, like, um, philosophical question to ask. Like, what would you do in that situation? It's pretty cool. Right. It is a cool idea. And that's a good point to say, um, if you if you know that the arc is actually, you know, it's utopian or it's a, it's a good place to be. Because you could just get, you know, copy-pasted into a, a worse hell than being on Pathos, right? Uh, right. And that's, a glitch, a and that's what's actually reality. happening. <laughs> and so, yeah, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about, like, what is actually happening. So, the WoW, which is the station's AI, again, um, the WoW is, its main directive was to, like, basically support human life on the station um, and stuff like that. You know, basically, you know, like, a, you know, Iron Man's AI or something like that, kind of like that. Um, but when the comet struck and the surface life was wiped out and the WoW learned about this, its main directive changed to preserve human life at all costs. Like, whatever it takes, keep these people alive. And so... This is where a lot of like the body horror stuff comes in. And so there's this uh, 
the, I don't know how to call it, a chemical, a substance called structure gel that can basically repair anything. There's a part in the game where you repair a circuit using it, um, but you see all kinds of wild shit. And so... Yeah, they do some experiments on rats, and you yeah. can actually do a little experiment on a rat and put the structure gel on it, a dead rat, and bring it back to life. Yeah. So the WoW is using this to basically, when people die either by this suicide cult or they die just because they're in a, you know, decaying space or um, underwater station. It does whatever it can to uh, keep them alive. So sometimes it actually keeps the bodies alive and they're like super, you know, they're these awful zombies with like growths all over them where they're like half human, half machine. Or it can take the brain scans and just put them into something nearby. So that's why you're finding robots that have human consciousnesses in them uh, because like the one you electrocuted earlier, um, there's also another one uh, you have to unplug in order to talk to Catherine. Um, it's like siphoning power from the station to like stay alive. And I'm saying that with air quotes and you can like unplug it and it screams when it dies. It's really brutal. I think um, that's the one where Simon says, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, obviously not okay. She's like holding on, barely breathing, just like... Ugh. You unplugged its, its you okay? tentacle power cord, right. Simon. And then, you, and then you unplug it and he says, oh, fuck, <laughs> after she dies. Yeah. Oh. Whoops. Um, there's also... there's <laughs> So there's another like really, like really sad uh, robot that you meet. And it's out on the ocean floor outside of one of the stations. And when you talk to it, it thinks that it's on the ark because this is a person that killed themselves right after their brain scan. And they woke up and they're like, oh, is this the ark? And they're just outside of the station in this like, you know, I can't remember if the robot, if the body is like fused to the ground or if the body's damaged, but it's not moving around. It's just on the ground. I missed it because it was just... It's motionless there. Um, I I saw it in a Let's Play that I watched. And that was like, whoa, that's that's brutal right there. So this is like what's happening to all the people after they die. Yeah, and that's where I was talking about a little earlier. One of the friendly bots, it uh, it had the consciousness of somebody else and it just thought that it was, you know, doing menial tasks. I I guess it thought that it was on the Ark. It was just kind of floating around uh, underwater. And uh, just it was just speaking gibberish like a crazy person. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was uh, it's like I said. I mean, so many interesting ideas, so many uh, ways that this story was fleshed out that are very interesting and very amusing to to follow. Yeah, and to to think about as you go, these are like encounters that stick with you because you know you you talk to a person and then you're going to spend the next. 15 or 20 minutes walking or exploring thinking about what you just saw uh, one of these that sticks out to me is this woman that I- I'm not sure what happened to her in the first place but when you see her she's laying down and she has these uh, lungs made of structure gel that are on the outside of her body and she's basically like the wow won't let me die because the wow's directive is to preserve human life above everything else so she like she can't live without these external lungs but she can't move 
So she's just stuck in this spot in this like, uh, I mean, a shudder just to think about what that would be like. So you have a choice with a lot of these people, whether to kill them or to leave them. Um, I choose euthanasia every single time in this game. I don't know about you. I did the same thing. I was deleting all the um, the memories too. I was deleting all the data from uh, the scans as well. Yeah, so eventually you find that computer where a lot of the scans are stored and you find uh, you find Simon's scan from 2015 uh, you and you find Dr. Munchie's scan. He did become Dr. Munchie, which is good, good for him. And you, you kind of have a choice, like, after you find out what's been going on with Simon, you find out that Simon's like this legacy scan. He was like the first one or one of the first ones that actually really worked. And so you get this implication that Simon's scan has been like rebooted and shut down like hundreds or thousands of times, which is kind of brutal to think about. Right. I mean, he was one of the first, right? Or the first. Yeah. He was definitely one of the first. Yeah. Right. So he was kind of like a road roadmap on improving the technology. Yeah. And so that's why Simon's alive. Or that's why Simon's consciousness was brought into this dead body because the wow was like, shit, people are dying. I need to repopulate. And it brought Simon's scan out and filled an empty vessel with it. And that's why Simon is here, basically. And so when you find your own scan, uh, you have the choice to delete it. Uh, I deleted everything. I deleted mine. I deleted Dr. Munchie's. I deleted the other ones in the computer. Uh, you got to put an end to this, I think. Right, and I mean, it. I don't think it has any effect on the game whatsoever, but it is kind of a, um, it's a good feeling. It's kind of makes the, the player, it gives the player a moral dilemma to solve, and then you have to make the decision. I don't think anything in the game was affected by whether or not you deleted it, but um, no, it's cool to be given not. the choice and just uh, to, it kind of makes the player, uh, you know, contemplate this sort of mortal dilemma of uh, should I keep my consciousness uh, to be copied and pasted over and over and over and all these you know I could be uh, living one of my consciousness could be having a good time one of my consciousness could be fucking miserable uh, for eternity on the ocean floor Uh, so it is it is cool um, but yeah like like we said it's it doesn't affect the gameplay at all or anything the plot doesn't change yeah a lot of these things that we're talking about don't affect the gameplay, don't affect the overall plot much, but it just it's it always gives you something extra to think about as you're going through. So I think these all, all of these moments really really work for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm the same boat. And I, I guess that's what makes a good walking sim, right? Are those kind of moments like that. Yeah, cuz you got a lot of time to think about it as you're walking to the next place. Right. So Especially on safe mode. <laughs> yeah, especially on safe mode. <laughs> uh, so moving on, uh, the mission becomes uh, you have to find the Ark and you want to launch it. Um, so like we're, we're going to skip over a lot of like monster encounters and uh, NPC conversations and stuff like that. Uh, basically, you're getting into uh, these different facilities, solving problems, basically, and uh, we're going to talk about a few notable experiences here.
So the first one we're going to talk about is the one that makes you think about what to do with those legacy scans of Simon and Dr. Munchie, which is um, you're in this station, you're trying to find the submersible to go down to the uh, the abyss. And there's the only crew member who knew the password to like unlock it is dead. But luckily they did a brain scan to go into the ark. So you get the idea, Catherine has the idea to load up that brain scan and you can talk to it to get the password out. So when you load it up, he wakes up in a a black void, basically, and freaks the fuck out like I would do. Um, so you have to turn it off and you have this puzzle where you have to go explore the quarters and find information about him to kind of make his make him comfortable so you can get the information out of him and in in the process of doing this you're booting rebooting pulling the plug on this guy like 10 15 times at least for me um i was a bit i needed help with this puzzle so uh in a way you're killing him several times he wakes up he is like, where the fuck am I? And he starts freaking out and then you kill him and then you boot him back up and you do it over and over again. This is like, <laughs> this made me really like, really kind of apprehensive about going through the final steps of it. Cause I was like, oh man, I feel so bad for this guy. Right. And I think the solution, this was definitely the most complex puzzle in the game. It was uh, really the only yeah, memorable puzzle sure. in the game. The rest of them were, you know, just press some buttons in order and that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, it was cool. You had to go through the different, like, uh, the crew quarters, right? You had to go through the rooms. And at one mm-hmm. point you have to go to Catherine's room and I think you get some, uh, information from, uh, there and Catherine's watching you do it the whole time. And she gets kind of, it's kind of a cool little detail in the game. She gets kind of weirded out by you going through her stuff. And she's like, you found what you needed to mm-hmm. get out of my room, basically. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I found yeah. her panties and I, I was carrying her panties around for a good 10 minutes. I was waiting for her to, you know, scold me like, what are you doing carrying my panties around? Uh, <laughs> one of those, I got to laugh out did. of myself. She never did, unfortunately. But, you know, I was amusing myself while going around trying to find these different uh, details so we can uh, coax the password out of this fella. Um, yeah, it was cool. It was. Uh, you, I think you had to learn something about his... Uh, you had to really pull at his heartstrings to get him yeah, to go. Uh, yeah, you have to go and... You can get Catherine to copy his girlfriend's voice and talk to him. Right. And then you have to have the right situation when he wakes up so you can wake him up in like a lodge or something. Or you can wake him up yeah, in there's a, like a dark room. Lodge, there's a beach, and then uh, you can wake him up in the scan room, basically. Right. I think the solution was a scan room, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was. The most natural. I mean, the most uh, explainable place for him to wake up because I guess yeah. he's uh, he's realizing this takes place right after the brain scan because that's when his consciousness starts, right? So it's just the most right. logical place to, for him to wake up. And exactly. uh, yeah, it was cool. It was a fun puzzle, and uh, the implications were pretty cool. Just uh, rebooting someone's consciousness over and over and over and over, and basically torturing them over and over and over. Right? Yeah, he would. Uh, I mean, he gets he figures it out pretty quick. He's a clever. He's a lot more clever than Simon. Uh, he figures out what's going on pretty <laughs> quick. There's a good moment here where, like, Catherine's doing 
the voice of his girlfriend and he's like he goes he he believes it basically and he gives you the password and then I forget the guy's name I should have written it down but Simon or Catherine calls him by like a formal name like Mr. So-and-so and he's like he the guy's like oh shit this why would my girlfriend call me this hey what's going on and then you shut it off and it's just right. another like final like Ugh, shit mess that up again but you got the password so you I think you can delete his scan um and yeah you uh, can you delete move his scan along afterwards. yeah and I think if you, you get the password and uh Catherine just says shut it down right she's like okay we got what we needed he starts freaking out a little yep. bit we got what we needed she's all very right, matter of fact about it yep shut it down Simon and yeah just all right and then you get to choose whether or not to delete them and obviously we both decided he need to go yep and an extra thing that's fucked up about this is a couple less a couple levels later you find through some audio logs that this guy was actually like a hero in the station he saved a bunch of people's lives um and it's it's after a while but if you remember the name of the guy you're like oh that was the guy that i just tortured for you know 15 or 20 times he was actually right. like doing heroic shit down here it's just a final like punch in the gut with that guy's story yeah and there are a couple characters like that 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 kind of run from uh i don't know kind of near the beginning of the story you hear a little bit about them through audio logs and that sort of stuff the different doctors and uh kind of the little side stories are pretty cool to follow and that's probably the most memorable one obviously because um because the implications and the puzzle itself was um, interesting and creative yeah for sure and this is this is the part that also this part should also give you pause when you think about like simon's scan and it's in the computer and so you just saw what a horrible experience it was for this guy to wake up over and over again in these unfamiliar environments uh with this like voice of god booming out of the sky at them basically and so you see that simon's scan is in the computer and you're like well fuck this has probably happened to Simon a thousand times. I got to delete this shit. This can't happen again. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it definitely, it opens the story up a lot more and makes you realize some things that you wouldn't realize if you weren't, if you weren't put in that situation to do that puzzle. And that's why it's, that's why it's good. That's why the game's good. Little details like that, little ways to push the narrative forward. Uh, yeah. Um, it's cool. Cool stuff. Yeah. Let's talk about that other uh, kind of brutal situation with uh, yeah, consciousness I, I, uh, rebooting. I think I know what you're talking <laughs> about. Yeah. Uh, and so this you, is the you, other good point in the, the story. My favorite, Probably my favorite part in the story is this one. It's definitely one of the more, other than the ending, I think this is the part that I remember the most. Uh, and so this is when... Um, you need to go down to the abyss. Uh, you, you're trying to get that submersible, and it uh, was controlled by the WoW and freaked out and killed itself, basically. Um, so you need a diving suit, or like a deep sea suit, basically. And you are like a reanimated corpse. You can't just like put on a diving suit, but you find another dead body inside of a diving suit. And so you have the idea to copy or put your consciousness or move it from your body into the other one. And Do you so remember uh, when you found the diving up... suit, 
how brutal that scene is. You find the diving suit and it's got a body in it. And then this machine's yeah. like trying to take the suit off and it rips the person's head off. <laughs> it rips the head off. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty yeah, brutal. So brutal. Yeah. Um, so you got to do this, like go find the components to build Simon a new body. Uh, you got to get some structure gel and stuff like that. And eventually you get to the point where you're going to move Simon's consciousness from the old body into the new one. And it's this great scene where you can't see the old body. So when you wake up and then you hear the old body from the other side of the room asking like, hey, is it done? And you're like, oh no, oh shit. And you find out Catherine's been kind of like, yeah, Simon, sure. It'll, it's, it's, uh, it's cut paste, it's cut paste. It's no problem. Just keep moving forward, Simon. Um, but it's not cut and paste, of course. It's copy and paste. So now there's two Simons. And uh, Simon freaks out. And uh, I think I'll know what your answer is, but um, how do you feel about Simon's reaction here? Well, yeah, I mean, it seemed like he should have been picking up on this a long time ago. I know Catherine probably wasn't as upfront with him as she should have been, but he, uh, yeah, he was, and she scolds him the whole game. He's like, you're not getting it, Simon. Come on, dude. Like, you're being ignorant. At one point, (laughs) she calls him ignorant. Um, And he just, he obviously, I mean, if it were to happen to me, uh, I would probably be freaked out as well, but he seemed to not even expect that that was what's going to happen when, you know, it'd been happening the whole game up until that point. It's like six hours into the game or whatever. Uh, it'd been happening quite a bit and he just hadn't figured it out yet. And he continued not being able to figure it out. It was, uh, I well, don't know. Let me offer my defense of Simon here. Sure. Um, let's hear it. First, <laughs> first of all, you don't you never meet two of the same consciousness in the game you always meet like a robot version and then the human body is dead so you've as far as i know you've never met two of the same person before so i think it's like this situation where maybe simon's kind of dumb catherine's definitely been leading him on though sure and you can you can know you can think you know and understand that it's a um, it's a cut and paste, but when it happens, that's when you get like that. Oh shit! Like I I thought I was ready for this, but I was not ready. Like that other thing over there, that's also me. Um, I I don't want to say that I would be like as clueless as Simon, but I would definitely react the way that he does in all of the situations like this in the game. I think. Sure, and then you're given the uh, the choice to kill your old self or not, um, right? Which is just going as far as unplugging him. It's not like you're murdering him or anything. Just pressing a button. Yeah, you don't like strangle him with piano wire or which, something. That would you be just that'd be like crazy. Power right? him down. That Maybe would they be crazy. That. Yeah, like you gotta physically kill your past self. Yeah, you just like you have the choice. You can just let him chill down there for all eternity, or you can put him down and you know i'm going all euthanasia all the time i don't know what's going to happen to the old simon but nothing good so i definitely uh powered him down yeah and he did have an epiphany there and i thought that he would get better but um uh, yeah, he, 
I thought he would uh, <laughs> figure it out, you know. Um, I thought he he had he had an epiphany. He's like, oh, okay, I'm I'm starting to get it. You're starting to get it. You get the feeling that Simon yeah. is starting to kind of understand things, but um, yeah, it, he's I don't know. He tends to forget it again. I don't know. He was a little less annoying after that point, but again, in his defense, I'll say like the stakes of the second time this happens is much much worse than this i think so yeah uh before before we move on from this i just want to say like that that moment where you're like looking at your body like the other copy of you is strangely really like affecting or was really affecting for me this is a video game this is not like i'm looking at even something that looks human but you just spent maybe you know, five hours in that body looking at, you know, the hands and stuff like that. I forgot, oh, I forgot to say earlier, one of the things that, like, should give you a clue that something's off with Simon is uh, you're in this thing and it floods and your human hands immediately turn into a diving suit. And you're like, how the fuck did that happen? Anyway, I don't know. Looking back at that body was really, like, really creepy for me. And it, you know, if you're talking about it as a video game, you should be like, that's kind of weird that it would affect me that way, but it did. Yeah, and as you said before, uh, just hearing him talk, uh, hearing both Simons talking, it is. Uh, it was definitely affecting. It was uh, one of the more emotional points in the game. Probably the most emotional point in the game, uh, save the ending, maybe. Um, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. It, was a, it was probably it was one of the big turning points, for sure. Uh, it's like the end of Act 2, basically. Yeah, it's it's like a, you know, this is one of the points where the story and the the events of the story are getting extremely real. Like you just copied yourself, you heard yourself talking from the other room, you should have just killed yourself, your other self. Um I don't know. I don't know what kind of monster would play through this game and just be like, "Nope, other Simon, enjoy your life over there." Uh with this cuz <laughs> yeah. like before you get into that room, you just had a monster chase you. There's a monster on the other side of the door there. Oh yeah. So That's one of the more intense, intense chases in the game for sure. <laughs> That's uh you have yeah. to run in the door real fast and say, "Catherine, close the door. Close the door, Catherine." And uh right, yeah, it's right. probably probably one of the more intense uh you know, spots in the game. And yeah, to leave him in there with a monster uh for eternity yeah i uh i had to kill him for sure absolutely you i mean given the choice any of the choices in this game you you basically have to so so you're going through the abyss here and you get yeah, well, one uh, of the, the game's first... only jump scares well I, before that i really want to say that the uh, elevator part just sinking to the bottom was one of my favorite parts of the game too just uh, getting in the elevator in your uh, deep your suit, and then you're having this conversation with Catherine while you're just uh, slowly sinking uh, to the Mariana Trench or wherever you're going. Uh, yeah, it was so cool. Um, and you just kind of talk about it. She kind of explains some more stuff about the story and just uh, try to. It's a lot of phil- philosophy about what it's what it means to be human, or uh, like what's the difference between being a digital consciousness and being a real human. There's a like what's really the difference um and that was really cool just the whole scene and it it had a very good ambience to it just the sound of the elevator going down and you know the muffled sound of the water Uh, it was really cool i really enjoyed just sinking down and down and down and down 
And it's a long elevator ride, too. Like, it goes for a long time. There's a point during the ride when the elevator breaks and you have to fix it. And you're like, oh, shit, I'm stuck in the middle of this elevator, you know, suspended above the abyss. Uh, you're right. That is a good part. I should, uh, should have mentioned that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, getting, getting to the ocean floor is cool. Um, I mentioned this earlier. I really like the, uh, the deep, deep ocean. Yeah, when you're following the lights because uh, mm. uh, you you know it's dark as hell down there. The systems to like guide people are decrepit, so they've set up these lights. Basically, it's your only way to find where you're supposed to be going. And this, uh, did you get the jump scare down here? Yeah, there's a fish, right? Yeah, there's, there's a big angler fish. Weird robotic fish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you're if you're listening, if you didn't get this jump scare, you should definitely go look up a picture of this anglerfish. Yeah, it's got like a human head in it. It looks like a <laughs> what's that game on Dreamcast with the talking fish? Uh, I have called? no idea. <laughs> it's called Seaman. The game is called Seaman. Seaman. So yeah. Yeah, it was on Dreamcast. Anyway, this this anglerfish is he's. He's putting his light out there and you can like, you're, you're trained. You're like so dependent on these lights. You run up to it and then it yanks it away. And this angler fish like reveals itself. And it's a, it's a pretty good jump scare. And yeah, like you said, there's a big, just a, a human face, like in the side of its head. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. It's just like seamen for Dreamcast. It's a human head on a <laughs> angler fish. Yeah, it is. It is really brutal. Brutal, and that's one of the. Uh, I mean, that's the cool thing about the enemy design in this game, or just the design of the characters in general. And the fish. There's a lot of other fish as well that are um, been taken over by the wow. And yeah, just getting getting chased by the sea creatures and just having a no like it's like impending doom feeling. You're just like in the middle of the ocean floor. It feels helpless. There's a there's a storm. There's like a, there's like a wind swirling around too. There's a storm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you can't see shit. And uh, going to those little underground bases or those little underwater bases were real cool too. They're kind of out outside bases, but with fences and stuff. And yeah, go in and find supplies. They kind of give you some shelter from the uh, the anglerfish too, or the, like the monsters right. or the storm and stuff. Yeah, it's uh yeah that part of the game was probably my favorite, one of my favorite for sure. It's definitely cool, and like. Being outside of the station, because like these these stations kind of all look similar, you know, bunch of computers, bunch of you know lights, and it's dark. And then you go out on the ocean floor during this storm, and it's uh, it's pretty pretty wild out there. They do a really good job of selling like how dangerous this is. Yeah, absolutely. Eventually, you get through there, and you find the ark. Um, you, you do some other stuff too. We're going to skip to the arc because this is one of the most emotional scenes in the game to me, which is where you find the last like actual living person uh, who it's like this. Uh, the, I think the event, the comet hit like three years before or, or one year before or something like that. But she is the last actual human that's alive, not reanimated. Um, and she's, protecting the ark and she's being kept alive by this life support system and you have this conversation where like you kind of tell her like you're the last person uh you're the last living human basically um you have this really good conversation with her and 
she if she gives you the arc but she says like please unplug this uh and let me die basically because she's like she's like shriveled up uh it, she's in really really bad shape and what's even worse you can find on her computer she's like 35 years old she looks like she's 300 years old but she's actually really young it's a really sad thing to see and you kind of have the choice uh to unplug her or leave basically you know what i did of course i'm all about putting these people out of their misery and i did the same and yeah you're right it was a very emotional scene seeing the last living person on earth and uh and the story really uh it really kind of gets kind of weird in this part part of the game anyway um yeah with you A- right after you leave here it gets stuff. weird yeah but before you leave here so if you unplug her um she asks you one final like tug at your heartstrings here she asks you to stay with her until she dies uh, which doesn't take a long time but it's a very like uh i don't know it's a really affecting thing um she doesn't want to she's the last person she doesn't want to die by herself in this hell world that she's stuck in and uh, it was a really emotional scene and what made it even worse was I remembered that conversation earlier where the other person with the lungs on the outside told you, like, the WoW won't let people die. So when you unplug it, I was like, oh, shit, the WoW is going to, like, take the, take over her body somehow and she's going to turn into a monster. So I was, like, stuck with this thing of, like, I want to be there for this person in her last moments, but also... I want to get the fuck out of here because she's going to turn into a monster and uh, I am not about that. So (laughs) as soon as she died, I like booked it out of that room as fast as I could. Yeah, I don't know. I I didn't stick stick around to see if she changed or anything either. Um, I mean, maybe if I played through it again, I would uh, stick around to see if she became a monster. But yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even consider that maybe she would... uh become half machine or just uh the the wow figures out how to bring her back to life somehow she sits there and suffers some more yeah like uh whatever whatever she's on life support for like i I didn't want to stick around and see like the wow grow a heart for her or something like that so speaking of the wow and this is where like you said the game starts to get weird you start you got the uh arc and you send it along to the space gun station but you're kind of going through your and you get sidetracked because you start seeing visions of this crew member uh named johan ross who i believe he was the monster that was chasing you in the station where you're making the the extra body for simon and he was the wow overseer and he's like leading you into this other station uh, where the wow is housed like its headquarters basically and he wants you to kill the wow and uh there's no better way to say this but the (laughs) way that you kill the wow is you are presented with the ultimate underwater alien anus and you either fist the hell out of it and kill the wow or you don't so i killed the wow basically and we'll talk about that choice in a second so but i killed it did you 
No, man. Uh, I mean, the guy was begging me and begging me to fist his alien butt, but uh, I've been tricked too many times that way before, you know. I've been convinced to... <laughs> Both in real life and in video games. <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, I'm not falling for that again. No more uh, fist... Even if they beg, you know, no more alien asshole fist yeah. for me. <laughs> right. Right. But, yeah, Fool uh, me once, walking shame away on you. from him... <laughs> uh, walking away from him, he's... Uh, yeah, he begs he begs you to come back. He's like, Come on, dude, come back here. Give me a good old fistin' for old time's sake. So I don't really know what happens, um, if you actually fist the butt. Did um, he attack you? he was chasing me a little bit, but I don't think he actually attacked me. Okay. So if you do fist the ultimate undersea anus, um, he he's like thank you for killing the wow now i'm in charge and he starts to he says he's going to kill you and uh he's he's coming right at you because you're in this like this room you can't really escape from him he comes at you and then a fish breaks through the floor and eats him and it's kind of a like it's a little bit anticlimactic but it was pretty cool and also i was ready to be done with this little side plot so i was like oh well See ya. Now I'm going to go find the Ark. Uh, but I did kill it. But there's this choice here, which seems... It seemed easy to me, but the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, did I make the right choice? So, basically, if you kill the WoW, you're guaranteeing that humans will never survive this. Because the WoW is the thing that's keeping the humans alive. But, if you leave the WoW alive, you're sentencing all of these like consciousnesses to like however many years of torture and body horror basically and i kind of was like okay we're pulling the plug on humanity down here uh we can't i can't let these people go through this that's why i killed the wow yeah and like you said i i think it leads to some i I actually i know it leads to extra uh, dialogue options later in the game uh, if you do kill it uh, because Catherine and Simon have a conversation about him killing the WoW uh, that I didn't get because I watched a Let's Play the other day to brush up on it, and the person I watched it ended up killing him, and then there was some more dialogue at the end of the game. Um, yeah, and like you said, the implication is, uh, yeah, kill the machine so there's no life whatsoever on the planet Earth. And I guess all the weird... Um, I don't know how how it happens, but I guess the it, the WoW just stops giving life support to everything. Um, so I guess all the fish that were affected, you know, uh, they die off. I mean, I don't know. Uh, did you did you get to see anything die from what you did? Not that I remember, but I also don't remember anything, you know, giving me problems. Like no more monsters or anything like that. Um, yeah, I think you're pretty much done with the monsters at that point anyway. Yeah, maybe the monsters are still alive, but there's not going to be any new monsters or anything like that. So like, I guess the the argument for letting the WoW continue is that like somewhere, sometime down the road, maybe it will figure this out. And maybe in you know, a thousand years or a hundred years or whenever the surface fires go out, humans can go back up to the surface again or like what have become of humans. Um, there's like that hope. But like 
I didn't think about that at the time. I was more just like, I can't do th- a thousand more years of torture. Yeah. I have to. Let's, fi- let's fist this butthole. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. fist in time. Yep. Fist in for, uh, t- to kill all humanity. Yep. <laughs> fist in for extinction. Yeah, there you go. So the name of my punk, the name of my metal band. Yeah, I was gonna say the name of my uh, autobiography, but okay. <laughs> um, so we're almost at the end here, and like we're kind of going in sequential order more than like most episodes of this podcast do. There's just so many like really good moments in the story here, and there's two more. So first, uh, you get the Ark, and you're about to load it into the space gun, and you find Catherine's body. And if you remember from earlier in the game, Catherine wasn't sure if the Ark was completed because something happened to her. You find out that the reason her brain scan was copied into this robot is because she got in an argument with her crewmates who thought it was too risky to send the Ark out into space, and they killed her. They, like, hit her with a wrench or something like that you find her dead body there and that was kind of brutal because another thing about Catherine that you find out throughout the course of the game is that her crewmates didn't really like her they thought she was weird and so like finding out that this is actually what happened to Catherine because I was still holding out a little bit of hope like maybe you'll find Catherine maybe but of course you didn't she's been dead for a long time Right, and that's pretty cool. And it's a cool moment where she starts. You you kind of mention to her. Simon mentions to her that, uh, yeah, I found your dead body. And then she's like, oh, what happened? And he kind of hints towards her crew killing her. And then she's like, what? They killed me. And he's like, oh, he didn't get into it too much. <laughs> so it's kind of like a dilemma with Simon whether or not to tell her the truth, or just like yeah. you know hide it from her. But he ends up mentioning it anyway. He tells her anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's a that's an interesting dilemma there. You have this virtual consciousness. Do you want to tell them what happened to their live body? Because anyone who's listening, who's played the game, knows this. If you're listening and you haven't played the game, you're, you Catherine's carried around in this in this uh, kind of you know multi tool, and you plug it into the computer. But when you unplug the tool, Catherine's consciousness is shut down. Um, like go to sleep basically so most of the time when you're walking around looking at stuff Catherine's like out she's like winked out of existence so she doesn't see everything that you see so a lot of times you plug her into the computer and you explain what's going on and I don't quite remember if this is one of those times I mean she definitely doesn't say hey that's my body so I think yeah, it's right. one of those it, times it is where one she of those is times. unplugged yeah and she they bring that up in the story as well where she talks about how she uh, you know flashes in and out of existence whenever he unplugs her and uh yeah yeah, this is one of the times where she's out of existence and she says she basically just wakes up you know whenever he plugs her yeah but it's not like the uh it's not like the dude who you tortured over and over again where you're like resetting she has like this continuous awareness she's not being reset she's just being put to sleep and woken back up basically if you think about it that way sleep mode hit the window sleep mode on her yeah so 
Yeah, it was a is a good uh, good moment, and that would be an interesting dilemma that I don't think the game goes into much about. You know, should you tell the consciousness what happened to its actual body? I I would guess that Catherine, knowing what else is happening at the station, would be like my my body's probably dead, but she doesn't know for sure until you tell her here. Right. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what I would do in that. Situation. I probably wouldn't tell her. You know, if I had the choice. Probably, uh, I don't know, man. That. Would you want to know? Like, if uh, your, I don't know, your friends killed you, and uh, you uh, would be... end up, you end up in heaven. Let's uh, this pr- proverbial heaven, and they, you want to ask, like, uh, you know, uh, Saint Peter's, you know, oh, what happened to me? How did I die? And he's gonna be, ah, yeah, your friends killed you, your buddies killed I you. I guess, <laughs> I guess, because like whenever th- this is like that question people ask a lot, where it's like, if you could know when you die or like how you die, do you want to know? And my my answer to that has always been no, because that would dominate my life for the rest right. of the time I was alive. Uh, that knowledge. So yeah, I guess you're right. I probably wouldn't want to know. But if I was yeah, on the yeah. other side and I knew how someone else died, I don't think I could keep that secret. You can keep. I think the secret, that would also huh? dominate say, ah, my life. I got something to tell you. Yeah, yeah. Just wait, wait. till you hear just this. Wait until. Yeah, or, or just wait until you get in an argument or something like that, and just that's your yeah. trump card you pull out. Oh yeah, at least my friends didn't kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's pretty rough. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we we don't know how Simon died in real life either. You know, that's never revealed. He could have died a week after his brain scan, or. You know, he could have lived a full life and had kids and, you know, it's not. I always assumed that, I always assumed that the brain scan worked, but the treatment didn't. So he died of his injury. That's kind of what happens in my head canon. Yeah. I mean, that's perfectly logical. But who knows? They don't reveal. And I I, I, I like it better that way. I think it's better that way. They don't, they don't mention it. I don't think he asks Catherine about his, uh, you know, how he died. He'd probably talk about Toronto a lot, like, oh, I probably had, was in Toronto riding the bus and being Canadian yeah. and eating some poutine. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I don't, think he, I don't think he mentions it, but that's a good, I mean, they probably could have put that in there just to, um, it's an it's a interesting idea, interesting dialogue. Maybe to think in Simon, a... Simon lived a full life. Yeah, maybe died. in an audio log, but probably not. Yeah, it or seems maybe like maybe in a, a computer log. Sure, sure. Maybe it was in there. I don't know how they would um, have left that out, really. Yeah, or I don't know. If they want to leave it ambiguous, that's cool. But yeah. uh, let's talk about the ending. Let's find out what happens sure. to. Uh, let's talk about what happens to present day Simon. Um, so Simon and Catherine are not on the Ark, and you're planning to launch it, and the the process they're like they're going to copy their simon thinks they're going to send their consciousness into the ark uh, right as it's launching so it's this like down to the second finish of like whether the scan is going to finish or like the transfer process is going to finish before the ark is launched out into space and it's like this really tense like countdown like oh fuck they're not going to make it and then at the last second it completes and the arc shoots out into space and you're still there. You just watch the arc fly away. And Simon's like, what the fuck, Catherine? Like, I thought, 
it worked and she's like it did work you idiot like i don't yeah, know if right. she calls him an idiot but she's she, she's she like exasperated at this point yeah this yeah. is the point where she calls him ignorant she's like i've told you so many times it's not cut and paste it's copy and paste we're on the ark but we're also still down here and simon freaks out it's like yelling at her and i don't know if it's like the stress or like if Simon like hits the console or something, but Simon or Catherine's device shorts out and she's dead. Basically her consciousness is gone. So like, this is how the game ends before the credits. Yeah, Simon's just alone on the ocean floor. Yeah. He's just yeah. alone down there. And he says something like, he says like, Catherine, Catherine, like don't leave me alone down here. And then it's over. I, That's the end of the yeah, game. He, he says, fuck you, fuck you to her like five times. And, Hits, yeah, I think yeah. he hits the console and kills her. And, uh, and then, but yeah. then he realizes after that that he's just, he could have been chilling with Catherine down there for eternity, you know, cracking jokes, but um, he's just down there by himself on the ocean floor. So, this is another, this is another example. This is another like round two in the is Simon stupid debate, <laughs> basically. Because yeah. like, he, he, He's uh, like you said, he said he knew or he said he understood earlier in the game. Like, this is not cut and paste, it's copy and paste. There's going to be two of me. So, like, he should have expected this. I, I think yeah. I know what you're going to say here about, <laughs> about how Simon handles this. He absolutely should have. He, I mean, he'd already seen it happen before. He he did it. He they already had this conversation. That's why Catherine was so pissed off was because they did this with the uh, the suit, the um, the deep sea suit, and they've already had this dilemma. And he lost the coin flip, and I guess he was pissed off because he lost the coin flip. He didn't make it on the ark. He's stuck down there forever, and uh, he has no well, way of killing himself either. I don't think. Well, he thinks he lost the coin flip, but there's actually no coin flip. The coin flip was. Uh, a misunderstanding or right. a lie depending on who's saying it um, there is no coin flip he keeps thinking that there is because he's not grasping it My, I'll offer a defense for Simon one more time which is that this is the situation where I can intellectually know that like this version the version that's in my body of my consciousness is not going to be on the arc that this is a copy paste but when it happens, aren't you still going to hold out that little hope that, like, it is a coin flip and that you're going to win the coin flip? Because, like, well, you have to I mean, know, like, kind what, of right, what which that means consciousness if you lose. stays and which consciousness, consciousness goes, right? So I thought that that was kind no, of what it's... the coin flip they're talking about. So, like, his consciousness, he, obviously there's going to be two copies, but he wanted to be the copy that's on the arc. So it's like flipping a coin whether or not, you know obviously there's going to be he's he wants to be the one that wakes up on the ark but he wasn't right but there's um, that's kind of the point that's the thing he's misunderstanding is that that's not how it works it's not a coin right. flip there isn't like there is no way that he will that the version of him that's sitting in the station will then wake up on the ark that that is never going to be possible just not how it right. works and that's why Catherine's so mad because yeah. like she thinks that she's explained this to him uh and he's just not he's just not getting it. So like there is right. no coin flip, there's no winning or losing the coin flip. 
Right, right. Um, yeah, it was cool. It was powerful. Um, it was a cool little scene, and uh, it's interesting to think that Simon's down there by himself to this day on the ocean floor. Yeah. Just kind of alone with his thoughts. And the fact that that's what happens right and like that happens and then the credits roll and you're like, oh, that's how this game ends. That is the most brutal ending for a video game that I can think of. Like, right. it doesn't get much sadder than that. Yeah. Um, and then they have the, uh, they turn it around in the post credits, which right. I don't think was really necessary. I wish they would have just left it like it was. Um, do you want to explain the post credits, I guess? Yeah, sure. Like there's the post credits scene where Simon wakes up and he's in the ark and he he walks out and you see Catherine and you have a a reunion with Catherine. Um, There's a part in the ark where you can answer a survey about like your satisfaction and how you feel. And you had taken that survey earlier in the game. Earlier in the game, you probably answered with a lot of negative answers because you're in like a living hell. And then on the ark, things are cool. So you probably are like, this is fucking great. I'm having a great time here. Um, yeah, it's like a, a forest, right? And it's, it's like a forest and there's like water running and there's trees and yeah, birds. And it's really it's beautiful. Like a utopia. It's like a utopian society or utopia, yeah, a, an idea of utopia, for sure. basically. And you go out and you, you meet Catherine. It's your first time like actually seeing the human version of Catherine. And then you think this is like, oh, it's a it's a happy ending. And then I think this is really cool. The camera pans out and it shows the arc out in space and you see the surface of the earth. It's on fire and the arc is, they zoom out in a way where the arc just looks so lonely and hopeless out in space where like that little happy ending that you had was just like, Oh, this is, is this actually worth it? You know? Yeah. I wish they would have uh, had the art get hit by a meteor and then it just <laughs> fade to black. That would be the darkest ending ever. Oh, that, that hope and then the yeah. disappointment or seeing the earth on fire still and seeing the satellite out there and then just the arc exploding. And that would be that would be bleak. <laughs> yeah. So they, yeah, they I don't, don't think quite it, go I that don't... far. Yeah, yeah, right. I don't I didn't I didn't enjoy the uh, post credits. I thought it was kind of cheesy. I, I wanted them to just leave it as um, you know, the idea of oh, did it work? Are they in space? Did it did the ark make it to space? We don't know. But we know yeah. dumbass Simons on the bottom of the ocean floor <laughs> all by himself. Alone with his thoughts, all alone with his thoughts. He's in this, you know, reanimated corpse. It's not like he's going to die of natural causes down there. So Right. I am like 100% down for an incredibly sad ending. Um, So I think I would have been okay without the satellite ending, but I do like the satellite ending because it gives you a happy ending, but then it kind of puts that in question like, okay, that worked, but was it worth it? How long is that thing going to last before, like you said, it, you know, hits something or gets too close to a planet and gets sucked into its its gravitational field or something like that. It's just going to float aimlessly in space until until like the electronics die out or something like that. Like humanity has a chance, they succeeded, but like it's such an improbable thing, you know? Was it really worth it? Is it actually a success? 
So I, I like the ending that way. But I would have been down for like the ultra depressing ending too. I, I do like stories that end that way. Yeah. Um yeah, you got you got some good points. And it uh it does leave uh, there's a lot to question afterwards too. Uh like you said, it does make you realize that the earth was on fire and that it's uh the last bastion of hope for humanity. Yeah. Even though there were never I mean uh, Supposedly, there will never be, you know, organic humans again, but at least the consciousness of humans gets to survive. So what are they banking on with the Ark? Are they they're hoping that like aliens are going to find it and find out that there are like virtual humans living inside and they're going to like transfer them out or something like that? I guess that's what I'm assuming. I'm assuming that they're just waiting for somebody to pick them up, aliens to pick them up sometime in the distant future or even if that's or even if that's not the hope it's it's like humanity continues in some form i guess right but i mean they could have just done that on the the same thing on the ocean floor if that were the point right they could have just left the ark on the ocean floor to um you know sit there and be powered up and all the consciousness could just chill on the ark on the ocean floor in the machine so i'm assuming that they I'm assuming they want some something to pick them up in the future. That's why they shot into outer space. Yeah, and the the fact that the station has a space gun probably played into that decision too, where they're like, <laughs> yeah, if we just send this thing out into the ocean floor, I guess there's less hope because there's no more humans alive. Like, what's going to find right. them? So, sure, you know, completely hopeless versus one in you know, a billion chance. I guess you take the one in a billion. Sure. I got to agree with that. So yeah, that's uh that's the end of Soma. Uh, any other things that we didn't talk about here? Yeah. I want you to defend, uh, defend Simon a little more. So you, you said he was a, he was a good vessel. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think he is because like, like actually I said this, I mean, he's literally a vessel like, in the story though, right? He's in a vessel. He's yeah, in a vessel yeah, in a vessel. Well, he's in a vessel of a human in a, a sea vessel. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so you think he's a good he's a good vessel for storytelling? He's a vessel acting as a vessel. So right. and, my 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 point there, and I actually said this earlier in the show, was like when I play horror games, I can know intellectually, I can know and understand in my head, like uh, the game Gone Home has no jump scares. I knew that when I started playing it, but when I played it, I still got too scared at the threat of a jump scare that I couldn't finish playing it. So that's kind of how I think about Simon. Like Simon can know, like, okay, I understand what happened when we copied my consciousness into the new body. I understand that, but like knowing it and like accepting it, I think are two different things. And when you've, when you're like, when the arc shoots off and your consciousness is not on it, or the one that you're, this version of you is not on it, um, I think it would be impossible for someone to accept that, especially when you know what life is like uh, down in the station where Simon's basically stuck there now for the rest of however long his life goes. So that's my kind of defense for Simon. And how like he seems like he's not understanding these things, but I think these things are impossible to accept 
in his situation. Yeah, I can get it. I can get it. I just think he was kind of, he's an unlikely hero, obviously, because he's um, somebody from 100 years prior uh, that's put into this weird station. I mean, obviously, he's not the ideal person that Catherine wants to be working on this stuff. He has no idea what he's doing, really, and he doesn't understand anything. Uh, But yeah, I can see what you're getting at. It kind of brings, I guess, a modern person into a dystopian nightmare of a future as well. Uh, He's supposed to be your just normal guy, normal Canadian guy, talking about Canada a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I Uh, I think he... And like Simon, as a person from the year 2015, who is like a young dude who I'm not sure what his like you know, what he's doing with his life, but I I guarantee he's never thought about or probably not really thought about these subjects before. He's never had to grapple with these kinds of things before. So I think that sure. also makes it believable that he would react this way. But do you, I mean, in your, if you were in that situation, if you uh, saw an obviously not so well body, would you ask them, are you okay? It's being taken over by machine. <laughs> forced to breathe hey you okay oh just a couple of i mean i it was minor those situations were minor where he was uh the dialogue just didn't fit the situation and and you're not the only person who's played this game and been like what the fuck is wrong with simon like why is he not getting it (laughs) like i think you're i think you're supposed to feel that way maybe i have the benefit because i already knew the entire story before i started playing the game I was able uh, to see it through the lens that had already been explained to me, I guess. That probably, I mean, no, not probably. That definitely helped me. For sure. Yeah, I get it. I get so, it. Well, um, he, he's still an idiot though, right? I mean, he's, he's below average intelligence. I, yeah, I would say that's pretty safe to say. He's not, he's definitely not a genius. He wasn't in his normal life. Right. But, I mean, he did, he, maybe the brain scan because the brain scan was done after he had a horrible brain injury so maybe that plays into his processing or something like that maybe yeah let's go with that let's go with that yeah (laughs) so i can feel a little i feel a little more sympathy for him if we just say ah he's got a brain injury that's what that's that's why he's an idiot idiot or not i think simon is a good protagonist for this story and the way that this story is told with the things that are happening to him i don't think the story would be nearly as entertaining or emotionally affecting if simon like you know were were a genius cut and paste into the arc and he was like yes of course this is what i expected to happen i hope the other me has a good time on the arc you know he's not going to say that Right, I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. It, it was a better story because he was an idiot, because he was, you know, from the past. He wasn't <laughs> a scientist. Uh, yeah, right. I can agree with that. I can definitely agree with that. Cool. Uh, so, what do you say we wrap this up? Sure. Cool, Ryan, dude. Thanks for coming on and talking about Soma with me. Uh, as you can tell through this conversation, I fucking love this game. I love this story. Yeah, me too. Me too. And it was a it was a pretty unique experience, and uh, I was glad that you recommended it to me. And yeah, I'm happy to come on and talk whenever you want to talk about some video games. Like I said, I don't get a chance to talk cool, about cool. video games enough. Well, uh, something tells me that I'll have you back on the show very soon to talk about a game that is very, very different from Soma. So we'll leave it at that for now. 
And thank you, everybody, for listening, if you've made it this far. Again, if you want to support this show, the best thing you can do is recommend it to people, uh, even though your friends are likely to get mad at you if you recommend new podcasts. But if they're your real friends, they'll forgive you. So go ahead and tell your friends. Leave a rating and review if you can. Um, Subscribe on your platform of choice. And check the episode description for links to social media where you can chat with me about Soma or other games. So... My name is Dave Jackson. Thank you for listening. Ryan, thanks again for coming on, dude. Hey, thanks for having me.